All right, we off and we go. You know, in in life, a lot of times, you know, talking about what Pastor Driver was saying, that that spot where he got stuck at, um, great things are done by great men. When I say great men, that's mankind, individuals. Great things are done by individuals. There's always a team of people around the individual, but it's always the one person that stands out when something great happens. Uh, Charles Barkley says this. Charles Barkley, ex-NBA player, great basketball commentator. Charles Barkley said that it's not about X's and O's, but it's about Jim's and Joe's. X's and O's represent when they when they call a play. That means that, you know the team is going to go here and this, that, and the other. And people, some people live and die by the, the program that the team has. But Charles Barkley says a lot of times that it's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jims and Joes. I mean, it's about a player, right? Uh, the and this is my notes. And I started to wear the jersey this morning. I don't know why I didn't. The, because Deshaun Watson got drafted by the Texans, now we have expectations and hope for a Super Bowl. Right. One guy changed the expectations. You can turn me down a little bit. It's ringing in the back. Thank you, Trust me. But one guy changed the expectations of a city. Right. A city's football team, right? One guy. And all because they drafted Deshaun Watson. Right? Uh, the Chicago Bulls don't have all of those championships without Michael Jordan. They don't. One guy made a difference. Now, you needed Scottie Pippen. You needed uh, Jim Paxson. You needed Phil Jackson. But take any of them away. But Michael Jordan. And you and you still, and hey, listen. You got a problem. Well, you still got Michael Jordan. You still got a shot. LeBron James. Right? Nine back-to-back NBA finals. With two Nine back-to-back finals with two different teams, right? And so, it, it don't matter what team he goes on. It don't matter if he got a team full of high school kids. They going to the finals. That's that's just what's gonna happen. It's about the player. It's about the person. You look at uh, where would Apple be without Steve Jobs? It wouldn't be. It's always some individual that steps up, that takes the lead, and yeah, you got a team of people coming behind, but it's the individual. Right? God, God, and, and I want to, well, I want to get ahead of myself. Where would the Lakers be without Kobe Bryant, without Magic Johnson? What would they be? Individuals make the difference. TBN would not have ever been what it was without Paul and Jan Crouch. I don't care what you thought about her hair <laughs> and Paul and them shirts. I'm going to have to pay all my money them shirts too. Where would they be without that? Marcus and Joni Lamb and Marcus got that funny hairdo too. I don't even know if he'd be on there no more. I'd just be seeing his wife singing. Yeah. Where would they be? Individuals step up and take things places. And so this morning we talk about, why am I talking about this? Because all God needs it's for one person to step up. Listen, when you start popping popcorn on to have a full bowl, you need almost all of them to pop. God said, I just need one out the bunch to pop. If I just get one out the bunch to pop, we can go somewhere. 
How many Elijahs you read about in the Bible? Just one. How many Elijahs you read about in the Bible? Just one. How many days did you read about in the Bible? Just one. Just one. God said, if I can just get one to pop, we can ride. If I can just get one to pop. The thing is, are you going to let God heat you up enough to pop? Does the fire of the Holy Ghost burn hot enough on you, uh, on the inside of you enough for you to pop? God said, I just need one to pop. God said in the book of Ezekiel, he's getting ready to pass judgment on a whole nation. He said, I, I, I just need one. I just need one to stand in the gap. If I can get one. Talking about that. Rahab the harlot. One, one prostitute. One prostitute said, hey, listen, I, I won't snitch. What y'all gonna do? One lady, y'all come in and hide in my house. One, one person, one cussing fisherman, lady team of folks, outspoken, God damn preacher. Listen, he wasn't perfect. God said, I just need you to be with it. If you arrive, we can go. The question for you is, will you be one? Will you be one? I want to show you this right here. One of the greatest. Athletes in the history of Houston football was Earl Campbell. Some of y'all don't know nothing about Earl Campbell. But that's what started the whole love you blue situation. Everybody had their baby blue. People, they, they made bands with all the them back then. They come off, come off the lot. All the things, right? Earl Campbell was, to me, was the greatest running back ever in life. And so I want to show you this Earl Campbell highlights video right now. You got it, Ashley? No? You still working on it? Almost? Okay, just holler at me when you got it. Earl Campbell was the greatest running back in the history of football. It wasn't in the set. It wasn't. Because you're a Don Mark Dallas fan. What's the greatest? The Alders had some great quarterbacks. Dan Pastorini. Some of these other people. Uh, Warren Moon. But uh, listen, I'm telling you something. Earl Campbell was the man. And I, I want you, like I said, this is probably... One of the greatest highlight videos I've ever seen. And I want to show it because I want to drive this point home about this example of people. And then after we watch the video, we're going to go right to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Only one Joshua. And I want you to understand something. That, people, that, that these people were able to do these things for God. Not because God just made the way one day they wouldn't have no trouble. They had trouble. But, but if you when we read in the book of Joshua, when we read in the book of Joshua and see exactly what happened, they overcame the trouble that they had. They overcame. And so what we do now is you, when God asks you to do something and the moment you encounter some kind of trial or tribulation or you encounter some kind of tough circumstances, you see that maybe this is not God's will or maybe it can't happen. But if God, when God calls you to do something, for some reason he don't exempt you from the trouble. You're not going to get exempted from the trouble. Are we ready yet? Yes or no? Is that a head up and down or you got a twitch? Okay. <laughs> Alright, let's roll. Watch this and then we'll finish.
Y'all get the y'all get the point. Ripped the man's shirt off. The man's still going. So if you understand it, like I said, if things don't come, great things don't come without opposition. Everything in life is like that. If you watch them running and that's the way life is. You, you don't become great without facing opposition. With listen, if there was nobody trying to tackle him, we'd just be like, so what? Right? They ripped the man's shirt off. And the man's still standing up. You, did you see that one when he lowered his head and, and slammed it to him like a ram? That, yeah, that was amazing. Right? So all of these wrongs are without opposition. That's why they make the highlight. He, he flipped and he's coming around. They grabbed him by the face mask. He turns around and went back this because of the opposition. Understand that? We wouldn't be talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if they would have never got thrown into the fire. It's just another story. Two, three dudes went to the king and told him something, whatever. But no, we talk about them because they got through in the fire. We talk about them because they got through in the fire and, and because the God of the universe pulled them out of that. That's why we tell that story. We talk about Daniel because he got thrown into the lion's den and he woke up in the morning and it was peace. You take away the lion's den, we ain't talking about Daniel. Little kids uh, at uh, at Halloween time or whatever we do, we would adopt this discussion that we for for penetration purposes and for evangelistic purposes we would put on costumes or whatever and we call it Hallelujah night or whatever. But kids, they don't want to be Daniel in the lion's den. Then we, you know, it's in coloring books, cartoons. If you take away the lion's den, we ain't talking about Daniel like that. You take away the lion, we're not talking about David. It's an empty conversation. Adversity is the thing that make, that brings out the greatness in a person, right? That's why he's the God. We say he's the God of the of the, uh, the of the peaks and the valleys. He's the God when you're going through the valley. He's the God, the same God on top of the mountain. And I'm gonna tell you something. Resistance is what makes you. There's no person that gets stronger without resistance. Nobody does. You know what I'm saying? So it don't take a million people around you to, to do something great. All it takes is you to have some faith in a prayer life. Keep going back to my children. A small group of people can do big things. But you got to believe. You know, a lot, a lot of times what I, I notice, and this is no knock on them or whatever, I'm just telling you what happens. You, you look at some of uh, some gigantic uh, mega churches with some. Someday I, I, I pray God that we'll be. I'm not anti-Navy church at all. We have to get there. But you got people that go there and sometimes the preacher just constantly calling them and telling them, you know, uh, God is going to make it all right. He's going to, and he is, but he ain't going to make it all right if you don't start growing up and start doing your part. You just lie to him, Rev. If I come to church every week, but God is going to make it. You want to come sit down? You want to do that? I want to hear you tell me that every week. Yeah, say that again. But see, it's been fifteen years. God's gonna make it all right. Now God ain't gonna make it all right if you don't start exercising your faith. Faith without works is dead. If you don't start doing your part, and some some people got upset with God because the preacher said God's gonna make it all right for too long. If you don't start doing your part, it ain't gonna be all right. God, I need a job. Listen, how many uh, resumes you put in? 
Now you see the brand new job. I've been for 15 years on the job. How many resumes you put in? Have you, have, you, have you got some training on your behalf of what you're talking about you want to do? I got a dream one day and I'm going to do it. Oh, you take a step in that direction? Now, I thought you were just going to make it happen. Like you did with such and such. Well, look, if we, did, if we delve deeper into such and such circumstances, we see what such and such did. Now, if you would do what such and such did, then I'll, I'll do for you what I did for such and such. Let's read some scriptures. Let's read some scriptures. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. You already there? Let's, let's read. Let's see what God, God did or what he said to some of his people that we now know. Uh, we say, man, God used them greatly. God used them mightily. Let's see. Let's start in, in verse 1. It says now, and Lord, I just thank you right now. Uh, I ask you to continue to speak through me and say what needs to be said. And let's get some, some kernels popping this morning. In Jesus' name. I want y'all to listen to me. Listen to me. The greatness in you. The greatness in you. God sent you here so you can learn what I'm talking about. Because it's going to come out of you. You just need it to learn. That's it. You just need to get your information. It's going to come out of you. I'm going to tell you some of the things that you may be concerned about right now. Don't concern yourself with them. Because God's going to teach you how to be a warrior. He's going to teach you how to persevere. He's going to bless you. He's going to bless your house. 2019, we're not even going into the 40 years over with. God's going to start changing things. 2019 is going to be the best time that you need God. All right, so Joshua chapter 1 says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. And now, therefore, go over this Jordan, thou and all his people, uh, unto the land which I do give thee, give them, and even unto the children of Israel. So God says, Moses is dead. I'm taking y'all into the land that I wanted to give y'all. Right? So that sounds good. We're going. We're going. We're going to the mall. We're going to buy me some new clothes. God, we're going to the mall. Yeah, we're going to the mall. I'm gonna get new clothes. But on the way, if he tell you on the way to the mall. You understand? Uh, people gonna pull you over and pull you out your car by gunpoint. You understand? And, and you gonna have to run blocks from them until you get to the closest police officer, whatever. And then you know, you, but if God tell you that, then you're like, well, shoot, I don't want to go to the mall, right? But then, then you, but He don't tell you is that when the people pull the gun on you, take out your car, you run around the block like some kind of video game, you know, trying to escape from these bad people. But right before you come out of the situation, there's going to be a briefcase with a million dollars in it. You're going to pick that up. That wouldn't a trip. To, wouldn't that be a trip to the mall? Would it? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So, so listen. That be adversity, but it's always blessing that comes after adversity. Always blessing that comes after adversity. This is ninety percent of the king of, of, of the body of Christ don't want to go through no adversity. Don't want to go through no kind of adversity. And I'm telling you that that, that uh, if shortly after I got saved, shortly after I started preaching, that was the first thing that I learned. Without faith, you can't do nothing with God. You got to believe and trust God to take you some place. Or else you're going to have a, just a, a, a less than a mediocre Christian life. You have less than a mediocre Christian life. People, listen, people not going to always jump on your faith bandwagon because people don't, it takes hard work to trust God. So they're not going to get on your faith bandwagon. You say, well, I don't got nobody on my faith bandwagon, so I can't do it. It don't make no difference. 
God didn't ask you to get people on the bandwagon. He said, will you believe? If you believe, all things are possible to you. If you believe, you shall see the glory of God. If you believe, you shall receive. But God, ain't nobody else around with me. I'm talking to This is me and you. Well, we need people on the faith bandwagon. Because I'm going to tell you, people are on their own faith journey. So a person can be with you right now and say, and they consider you consider you inside. And not trying to do anything to you. But because we're all on our own faith journey and we're all developing our faith at different paces, their faith might not be at that enduring point. They can just be at a today's encouragement faith point. I got enough faith for a few minutes to tell you something good. I don't have enduring faith. Right? And so you start feeling bad after they start doubting and not as strong about it as you were. Amen. Listen, Moses had all them people. Moses bringing all of them folks out there with him. And, and so, listen, Moses was gone for 40 years and came back just to get them. He could have stayed over there where he was. He had a new family, a new setup, a new situation. He went back over there to go get them. So he showed up over there to go get them. He said, look, God sent me over here to get y'all out of here. We're going to go. And so then they started running into what? Adversity. And so the, the one, at one point it says they made they double up the labor on them, right? And we ain't gonna even get you no straw. Get your own straw to make the bricks. They said, man, why you come over here? You know, you're gonna start the trouble. See, you want to be free. Hey, listen to what I say. You want to be free, but you don't want no trouble to get free. You want to be free, but you don't want trouble. You have to go through trouble on the pathway to freedom. It's a part of it. And the, what, what the scripture says, to count it all joy when you're going through trouble. Because trouble helps you to develop into someone great. Well, we don't want it, we don't want to deal with it like that. Listen, wisdom only comes from trouble. Wisdom only comes from trouble. Electrician, a wise electrician, then, then shocked himself at least a little bit. A carpenter that nicked himself or done something like that, a, 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 a wise preacher that said some stupid stuff at one time or another. Wisdom, a businessman that made some mistakes. Wisdom comes from trouble. And it's just what it is. You have to write it off. All education costs money, not just at the university level. Anything you learn is going to cost you something. It costs. It might cost you some pain, it might cost you some relationships, it may cost you some money, it may cost you some tears, but everything that you learn is going to cost you something. But if you go around thinking with thinking that, that I'm just going to excel to the top, and I'm going to tell you something, people who get an easy path to the top, usually come tumbling back down. You need that adversity. Adversity is good character. You got a guy that's a great preacher, great speaker. And they get up there and they can preach that sermon. And part of preaching is theatrics. How you like me now? You know, part of preaching is getting people to listen to you. But if all I got is theatrics and an anointing, but I don't, have, I don't have no experience, I ain't been to no trouble, then when I get to the place that everybody's cheering me on, such as he's a great preacher, he's just that dope. But I ain't went through no trouble. When I get in that seat in that back office, right? That's why so many preachers come down because of money. They come up to because you got to listen, you got to be prepared. 
to deal with the opposite sex. Just because we come to church and you saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you married, I got a ring. My wife got me one of the three pack of each for three ninety nine. I like it. Imagine my shirt this morning. But just because you come to church and you say sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, that don't make other people that's not your spouse unattractive. It don't do it. I wish it did. Everybody in there wish it did to tell the truth. I just be the only one to tell the truth. But you have to be ready for that. You have to understand I made a commitment to my spouse, but even greater than my commitment to my spouse, I made a commitment to the Lord. You have to, and your relationship has to be at that point. Because not only can you be tempted in, uh, uh, with the opposite sex, sometimes a person may be tempted with the same sex. You may be tempted to steal. You may be tempted to do whatever, whatever. You know, you think you're off by yourself. And, and, and you, you know, one of the greatest preachers in the history of, and, and one of the Jews, for example, uh, one man over in Louisiana? Jimmy Swag. Jimmy Swag. Going around with a baseball cap and some sunshades. Mm-hmm. Hiring prostitutes. We know that's you, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. You get a baseball cap and they hide the glasses, they hide It's like Superman. Call kids, the only one that can wear glasses, people not know is Superman. <laughs> He don't want to get away with that. And that's because it's TV. When I watch the Superman movie, I'm like, don't they know? <laughs> they gotta know. They gotta know. That's Superman. I've been talking to the TV. Say it, man! <laughs> that's him! He just got some glasses on. He be trying hard to keep him blessed. Them glasses start coming off, he be juggling trying to keep them on. That's stupid. They should have done better. <laughs> Listen, when you go through adversity, adversity builds you and makes you better. Amen. We don't, listen, we don't run from adversity. You're not going to win. Again, I'll use a football example. The, uh, the object of the game is to score a point to get through the adversity of the other team. There's no sport that, that doesn't involve adversity. Even track and field. They're not trying to push against you this way, but you're racing against other people. Bowling, golf. It's a sport. I need to get, get my numbers lower than the other people. So I'm playing this other person. I gotta get my numbers lower. Any, any, listen, anything you do in life that's going to be adversity, raising kids, listen, if you if you parent your kids and have a lot of time, you know they have one of them after you know, when the mom will birth them, you know, both of y'all are fed them and gave them over, and never had no kids talk crazy to you. Adversity is in everything. Adversity is in church life. Some people show that adversity is in church. I'm out of that. There's no church that you're gonna go to that don't have adversity. Right? Every place, every situation. There's no job you're gonna go to that there's not adversity. But that's why it's so important to hear God. And the people that we're talking about this morning talking about Joshua, Joshua had a conversation with God, and when God told him, this is where I need you to be. This is what I need you to do. 
Right? And so some people don't, don't make any practice of listening to God. They don't care what God wants. But I'm telling you, if you do what God asks you to do, then you can overcome adversity and, and you'll get to a place where, hey man, wow, this, God was right. This is, this is what it's about. You know, if I think about, if I think about, uh, Moses, really? Uh, you know, I'm having a conversation with God and we're talking about, you know, going over there. I don't want to go. If we sitting there, we talking to God, saying we're gonna go back over to Egypt. Yeah, uh, about that. Last time I was there, I killed them two dudes and buried them in the sand. They don't like me that much over there. They got they got a bounty house on me. I've been on America's Most Wanted all over the place. So God's like, I got to take care of the people that died. You know, if He would have told him everything, well, if He did tell him, He said, "Listen, you gonna go? He's not gonna want to let him go." He didn't go into detail about everything. He didn't tell him. He didn't tell him the people was going act crazy. He didn't tell him that. He just told him Pharaoh was going act crazy. So he's going in the situation with one understanding that Pharaoh ain't gonna want to let him go. He didn't tell him that the people was crazy. That's right. So he gets over there and finds out no, I don't know how to deal with Pharaoh, but the people's crazy. I don't think that somebody stranded somewhere on the side of the road, the freeway in the middle of the night, and you would go to give him a ride, and they start talking crazy. I got out of my bed to come get you. Mm-hmm. Was sleeping good. Mm-hmm. Moses was over there at Jeff's own house. Got him a new wife. Got him kids. No trouble. God said, I need you to get involved in some trouble. So he shows up over there and the people start talking about, you shouldn't have never came. Why they, they got you eating onion sandwiches every day? They, they, they beating you around, got you building up statues and stuff like that. You don't want to go? Well, we want to go, we don't want no problems. Did you see the reoccurring thing? We want to go, but we don't want no problems. No, it ain't no going without no problems. Let's see what God told Joshua. Keep going. So, so listen to what he says here. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. It's a transition. It's a new thing going on. He says, arise and let's go over this Jordan, down and all his people unto the land uh, that I do give to them, even unto the children of Israel. Every place that the soul of your foot shall tread thereupon have I given you. And I, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and the Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, and, uh, and unto the great, great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto your fathers to give thee. Only be strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all of the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wheresoever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest uh, observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? Uh, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So here it is, three things if you take notes, three things you need in order to get to where God wants to take you, what what God wants to take you. You need to have a prayer life, number one. You need to have courage, 
And you need to have some scriptural backing for what you're trying to do. Got to have a prayer life. Got to have some courage. Right? And you need to have some scriptural backing for what you're doing. So, so God is, what is, what is God actually giving to Joshua right here in this instance? What's he, what's he giving to him? And you're not. They didn't give him a stick. At least Moses had a stick, but he had he brought that when they had to meet. So, so what's God giving to him? He's giving something more valuable than rubies or silver and gold. He's giving his word. The only thing God gave to Joshua in this instance was a promise and some instruction. And he said, Look, I'm giving these words, I'm giving these promises, and you take off these words and these promises and go do what I ask you to do. See, we're sitting around looking for God, well, God, we need you to do this, and we need you to do that. He said, no, I'm going to give you the same thing I gave everybody else, some words and some promises. Huh? But for a lot of folks, that's not enough. Words and promises. But this is how, listen, God built this place called earth with words. Mm-hmm. Read in the book of Genesis chapter 1, he started speaking words. He didn't say, God, no hammer. <laughs> Let there be. Let there be. When God gives you instruction, when God says, go do this thing, therein lies the power or the permission or the ability to do what God asks you to do is in his words. Everything has to bow at the words of God. But does that mean it's going to bow without opposition? It's not going to bow without opposition. There will be opposition. Opposition is standing between you and greatness. Opposition is standing in you between you and what you need. David stood in the way. I mean, Goliath stood in the way of David's greatness. But what did Goliath have? He had five smooth stones that represented the promises of God. He had he had representation. God and listen, and he, what did he do? He speak up. He said, "Who is this uncircumcised Philistine?" Uncircumcised Philistine means that this guy has no promise from God like we do. We got promise from God. We God's covenant people. He understood that based upon the word of God, I should take him down. Now what I want you to see is this. One kid had a revelation that the whole rest of the town didn't have. Did you see? You, you get that? One young man had a revelation that nobody else of all his people had. And it was enough to take down the town. One young man. One young man. He's the only one that stepped up and said, we can do it. The only one that had the faith. What did we say? God only needs. He just need one. He just need one. David had within him the characteristics and the stuff that it took to be king. And the primary thing he had within him was exactly the same thing I'm talking about right now. He had prayer life, he had courage. And he had words from God. And the stones came after that. Basically, I promise I'll pick up these rocks. And it didn't even take me five of them. It only took one. God has given to you the same thing that he's given to everybody else. You got promises. But if you leave the promises on the shelf in Walmart, on the shelf in Lifeway, in the warehouse from Amazon.com, it's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for you. Well, you say, Doc, I'm unstoppable. I can't be stopped. God wants you to understand that. God wants you to know that. But everybody has had trouble. Let me, let me wrap up with this right here. Uh, turn to 1 Kings. 
chapter 18. First Kings 18. This is awesome to me, man. Awesome to me. You, you, you don't know what you have the ability to do until you really test, get tested. You don't know what you can do. I can't do that. You don't know. How do you know? They got stories of people lifting up cars off the top of their loved ones. Women. You don't know what you can do until you get in that situation. So God says, look, I'm going to show you what you can do by sticking you in the situation. I'm going to put you in the situation so you can. I know what you can do. You don't know what you can do. I'm not taking them no more offers today. I'm still going to go to the top. I can't afford to pay my top. You don't know what you can do. You don't know what I'm going to do when you release what you got in your hand. I got, I got a plan. I know it all. I see tomorrow. You only see today. Trust me and I'll make your tomorrow better. We don't believe we can't see what God can see. That's why God makes us a promise and God said, look, if you just do this, I got you. Just trust me. But see, to, in order to receive a promise and act on a promise, there has to be trust. You don't have trust with people you don't have a tight enough relationship with. I, I, I'm telling you, I say it all the time, I know what my wife willing to do for me. There's certain things I ask my wife to do, certain things I don't ask my wife to do because I know she's, she's not going to do because I got a relationship with her. And if I ask her to do X, Y, Z, but I also know if I tell her, depending on the level of importance, if I say, hey, I need you to da 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 da, she won't complain, she's going to go ahead and do it. But if I don't tell her it's important, I ain't doing it. I know my wife. I know what she wants to do. I know what she wants to do. I know what it takes. So she just ain't going to be moving on. And so, because I know her because I got a relationship with her. Same thing you don't know about God. If you got a relationship with God, you know what God will do for you. Right? And along with knowing what God will do for you, you also know when God don't like what you're doing. That's why some people don't want their relationship. And you don't want to God to tell you what you should be doing. You mess it up. But anytime God tell you anything you don't like, it's for your betterment. Amen? But we don't, some of us don't want to hear that. You know, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to move on to this story. We all give kids a hard time. We would give kids a hard time. Tell them about themselves. You know, you need to grow up. We'd like to tell you that. You need to grow up. Look at you and what you're doing. You're doing this wrong, doing this wrong. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes the parents need to stand in the mirror and say the same thing to themselves. Yeah. Get yourself in the mirror and then you can give yourself that speech. Because really, the truth be told, if the kids know your business, they can come and speak the same thing to you. Because adults, I don't care how old you are, adults do some childish things, boy. I know it because I am one. And so, the thing about it is, we don't, we, we don't want people to know how bad we be messing up. We don't want the kids to know, we don't want people to know. And that's why we don't want to be reminded, we don't want to get in God's presence like that, because God lets us know. He lets us know. We don't want nobody to tell us we mess up. But see, we'll tell the kids in a minute. But tell them. Get the kids a hard rap. And, and I thank God he made this, the, the thing to be like that, that the kids don't know we'd be messing up. Because they wouldn't respect us. Thank God he set it up like that. Amen. But, but you have to learn how to have that conversation with yourself. 
You have to, that's not the you, it's to convict you. You have to have I'm cool telling myself I mess up. I mess up. Because the truth be telling everybody mess up. But when you, it's not going to help you to ignore it. You need to look at it and say, oh man, I messed up. Hey, oh God. Like Steve Irvin. I really blew it, right? You got it. You, you got it. You got it. If you can't do that, you're not going to grow. I remember the first time it happened with me when God gave me that the ability to do that. There was so much peace, man. Look myself in the mirror and say, I mean, you're blowing this, you're blowing that, you're blowing, blowing, blowing. And now I can do it all the time. I'm sitting in the mirror. But you know what? I forgive myself as soon as I walk off from the mirror. Oh, yeah. We did do that. Just move on. Amen? Um, what would I say? First Kings 18, verse 13. No. Hold on. 18, verse 1. We'll read a little bit more than normal this morning. That way you can get your Bible reading credit that you don't get at home because you don't read at home. <laughs> get some Bible reading credit this morning in the church. <clears throat> Verse 18, it says, And it came to pass that after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Right? So who, who, who spoke this word to Elijah? Everybody agree to that? That the Lord told Elijah this. And Elijah went <clears throat> to show himself to Ahab. And there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. And now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so when Jezreel, uh, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred of the prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them bread and water. So this is a man of God who's on the interior of the wicked government. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land and all the fountains of water, and unto all the brooks, and peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and the mules alive, uh, that we lose not all the beasts. So just in case you don't know what's going on, Elijah prayed. Elijah, the man of God, a prophet, he prayed. People. He prayed uh, that it wouldn't rain. And so they don't have rain, they don't have vegetation. That means the animals can't eat either. <clears throat> so they divide it. Okay, so, so he's, he's telling them to go look and see if you can find some grass. We need to feed the horses. We've got to do something. But there's nothing we can do. It's like a harvest situation. Amen. Go, where's the gas? They got gas at the gas station. Anybody got food, restaurants open, whatever. They got worse than harvest and famine. It's terrible. So, they, so he's, he's sending Obadiah to go look for it. And this is what's happening in the story. Verse 6. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout, and Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself, and Obadiah was in the way. Behold, Elijah met him, and uh, he knew knew him, and fell on his face, and said, Art thou my lord Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go and tell the Lord, uh, tell thy lord, behold, Elijah is here. So he runs into Elijah, they're looking for Elijah. Because they, they, they know it's Elijah's fault. They say, oh, that's what the king said. Elijah was the one who shut down the water. And all the problems were because of the man of God. Listen, remember what I just said. And so uh, he said, go tell, go tell the king that you found me. Right? Elijah was in hiding. Right? And so he said, go tell him you found me. He was a wanted man. Um, what verse was it? What verse was it? Nine. And he said to them, 
what have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant unto the hand of Ahab to slay me? He said, you know, what did I do wrong? You're going to send me back. And watch what, watch what he says here, verse 10. As the Lord thy God lives, uh, there is no nation nor kingdom whither my Lord had not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not here, he took an oath of the kingdom and, and, uh, and the nation, and they found thee not. So he said, man, there's nowhere we haven't looked for you. And, and I'm just going to uh, kind of speed you up and get down to another verse. So there's nowhere we haven't looked for you. He said, when I go and I tell him I found you, he said, I already know the Lord's going to carry you away. And you're not going to be here. When I, he's going to think I lied to him and he's going to kill me. Right? So we skip down here to verse. And Elijah tells me, he said, I'm not going to go nowhere. Go get, your, go get the king. I'm ready for, to have this, this meeting with the king now after this time. Verse, uh, verse 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab and Elijah, uh, Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, watch this. Listen to this. Everybody listen real close to what he said. Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Or art thou he? Listen, he's talking to one dude. He said, are you the one individual who has brought all this trouble on the whole nation? You understand? This is the king speaking to one dude. He said, we've been looking for you everywhere. You the dude who caused all these problems. People got the whole nation shut down. People hate me as the king. I'm going down as the horrible, most horrible king in the whole history of kings. We don't have nothing to eat. People are dying. You, you the one dude that caused all these problems. Look at how much credit he gives to one dude. Look at that one guy. Do y'all hear what I'm coming from? Yes. One guy. I got to read the verse again. Are thou he that troubleth all Israel? Now watch. How Elijah comes back. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that thou hast forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore, send and gather me all Israel at Carmel, uh, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which uh, eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent, and he got all the prophets, and they have this big showdown. Right? So, so one guy caused all these problems. I want you to understand something. Let's, let's, let's go over here real quick. Go to uh, James chapter uh, 5, uh, verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. James 5, 16. And I think I got this in the Amplified version. I want to read it to you. James 5, 16. One guy. Well, somebody say one guy. One guy. Say it again. One guy. Okay, so now when I say one guy and you think about everything, if you know about Elijah, you say, well, he's a special guy. One special guy. Right? Well, yeah, he was special, but he wasn't special. He wasn't special of his own accord. The only thing special about him was the God with him. And the same way God was with him, God can be with you. In fact, the Bible says he wasn't special. That's what he say. Uh, verse 16. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, and your false steps, and your offenses, your sins. And pray also one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. 
The earnest and heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in his working, right? So it says that the effectual, let's read it again. The earnest, somebody say earnest. Earnest. Heartfelt, somebody say heartfelt. Heartfelt. And now somebody say continued. Continued. Say continued again. So it's earnest, heartfelt, and continued prayer. Now you may say, I pray, I pray, but do you got them three words connected to your prayer? Mm-hmm. Earnest, heartfelt, and continue. Most of us, like I did it one time. It's not continue. And then you want to be upset because God didn't move because you did it one time. All right? So then it goes on, it says, uh, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in his working. Dynamic and dunamis uh, are words that mean explosive. It, it causes things to explode onto the scene. Heartfelt, earnest, continued prayer will cause an explosion to come into your life. What kind of explosion? It causes an explosion of whatever it is that you're looking for and that you need to explode onto the scene. It's almost like a, a magician that that, that, that that does a thing and says, boom, and it's, and it's sitting right there. Boom, and the, and the dove fly out. God said, that's what your prayer has the ability to do. Cause things to explode into existence in your life. Um, Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have. With feelings and emotions and a constitution like ours. He prayed earnestly for it not to rain. And no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heavens supplied rain. And they continued to produce its crops. So it says this, that what did, what did Elijah have? What, did I, what three things did I say you have to have? I said you have to have a prayer life, you have to have courage, and you have to have some words from God. And Elijah had those three things. Last, last passage of scripture for today. We're going we're gonna to look at this again next week. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13. Deuteronomy 11, verse 13. Sometimes we see things in the Bible and they're famous verses and we think that God only said it one time to one person. But in fact, he said it more than once and it's a promise to those that will go along with what he said. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13. And just keep them rolling until I tell you to stop. And it shall come to pass that he shall hearken diligently unto my commandments. Which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That I will give you the rain of your land in due season. The first of the rain and the latter. And that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thy oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. Pause it right there for a second. Now what did, what did the king uh, tell me to tell the other guy to do? He said, go look and see if you can find some grass. Right? What else are they missing? They're missing rain. So the same scenario that Elijah's going through has already been written in some other book of the scripture. So he, God's word already spoke on this. Elijah didn't write the book of Deuteronomy. It was already written. So Elijah is simply going along with something that God already said. If the people start tripping, God going to turn off the water. When the people start acting right again, I'll call the Cleveland Municipal District 
and the guy who works over at the movie theater and on the on at night and comes through in the water truck in the daytime and he'll shut the water back on. I know the guy very well. The guy who works on the water, shutting off the water and turning the water back on, he, he's the guy who takes the money at the movie theater over there. Same guy. Talking about the movie, switch that. Small time movie, right? So he'll come, they'll send him back out and he'll turn the water back on if the people start acting right again. Keep going. Take heed to thyself that thy heart be not deceived and you turn aside and start serving other gods and worship him. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you and shut up the heaven that there be no rain, and that the, uh, that the land yield not her fruit, and that she perish quickly from off of the good land which the Lord giveth thee. Therefore shall you lay up these words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be fronted between your eyes. So he told you the exact opposite. He said to bind his words to you. He didn't say leave them on the shelf. He didn't say leave them in the book. He said bind them to you. Keep going. And you shall teach them diligently unto your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So he's talking about some conversation in your house and amongst your kids about the word of God. Are we doing that in our house? Most of the time we're not. We're yelling, we're screaming, and we're watching bad TV programming. Keep going. And thou shalt write them upon the door of thy house and upon thy gates. That your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which uh, the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them in the days of heaven upon the earth. Wow, as the days of heaven upon the earth. For if you shall diligently keep these commandments which I command you to do them, and love the Lord your God, and walk in all his ways, and cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out these nations from before you, and shall pass. Uh, and you shall pass greater nations mightier than yourself. He said, my word will cause you to do things greater than bigger nations. And you'll be bigger and you'll be greater than them. Keep going. Every place whereupon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. Even from the wilderness of Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the outermost part of the sea shall be your coast. Didn't we just read that in the book of Joshua? So God didn't just make that promise to Joshua. If you will obey and if you will align yourself with the scriptures, the same thing can happen for you. Keep going. There shall no man be able to stand before you. I've seen this scripture before. You've seen this scripture before? There shall be no man able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall uh, lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land where you, you tread upon. And he has said, you told the same thing to Joshua. His promise ain't just for Joshua. Will you align yourself with what he said and do the same thing for you? Behold, I said before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God and turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. I think that's it. It's up to you. It's up to you. It's not up to everybody else around here. It's up to you. I'll finish with this only for testimonial purposes. I'm getting to the point where I don't want to talk much about this in here. But for testimonial purposes, because it goes to what's going on, we spent a, a, a year Working on this restaurant. Spent the year. And last Saturday, we opened for our first day. 
And then this, this week, we, we have a limited schedule. We open for three days. This week. You talk about something that sounded crazy. When I started saying this is what the Lord put in my heart. It sounded crazy. But that's what the Lord showed me. Most of the time, churches, they do schools and they do daycares. Churches don't do restaurants. They don't do that. But I know what the Lord showed me. I know that I prayed for a year and a half for God to take me to the place that he wanted me to be. And I wound up here, so I have to assume that this is what God sent me. So then God begins, so when I get out here, you know, hey, we've, we've got some things we need to overcome. So we pray for a whole year for God to do this. <clears throat> a whole year. And as I said, 